Hi, my name is Dan Ariely, and welcome to Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast about science. Every week, I will talk to one researcher about one project who have a chat about what they found and what it means for our lives. In light of the Supreme Court's recent health care ruling, we're airing a podcast that originally ran in September 2008. It's an interview with Brian Elbel, Associate Professor of Medicine and Health Policy at NYU. Brian and Dan discuss whether giving people more choices in their health care is a good idea. So, it's my privilege to sit next to Brian Elbel. Um, I guess you're a professor at NYU. That's very impressive. Thank you very much. <laughs> and... Um, What I want to chat with you a little bit is about your research on health care programs. And for some reason, you seem to be thinking that giving people more choices is not good for them. Well, so that's that's definitely what I'm looking at. And the trend in the policymaking world has been to consistently offer consumers more and more options. Right. More more is better. Absolutely. That, that, that's the assumption. And what we're really looking at is how people are responding to those options and looking at a couple things in particular. One is that by giving them more options, do you necessarily increase the chances that they're going to enroll in these plans? Which is the assumptions of policymakers. Okay, so you're saying if we give them more options, will it make them more likely to actually take one of those? Absolutely, versus staying with the default option, which is, which is regular Medicare fee-for-service. Okay, so in your case, you're looking at Medicare health care programs, and you're saying, will they stay with the traditional one, or will they switch? And what you're proposing is that the more options we give them, the more likely they will be to switch. Well, I'm testing that assumption. That's the assumption of policymakers, and I'm testing whether or not that's really true. Okay. How can it not be true? Well, it, it, it so happens, Dan, that many people, in fact, become overwhelmed with these options and that uh, individuals have a limit to their cognitive capacity and, in fact, are not uh, unlimited information processors and, in the face of more options, actually make systematic what many economists refer to as errors in their decision-making. Wait, wait. How, ma- how many options are we talking? Like thousands? So, so the average Medicare consumer has about 20 to 30 options. Um, and even more health plan, uh, me- even more drug plan options on top of that. So uh, we're definitely in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, all told with number of options. Okay, but um, I have more than 20 or 30 options of health care options at Duke, I think. Really? Well, the, your employer is definitely on the upper end of things, um, if that's the case. The average employer only offers a couple, a handful, two, three, four options. Um, but Medicare consumers definitely have more options than, than the average consumer. And not only that, you're dealing with a, with a group that is oftentimes frail and elderly and aren't necessarily in, in a shape to be able to make these options, to make these choices as well. So are you saying that just the elderly make these mistakes if you give them too many choices? I, that's, that's not at all what we're saying. We, we know that the elderly might, it appears they might make, make, make mistakes at a slightly higher rate or might be, might be deferring choice or not actively choosing at a slightly higher rate, but this is definitely something we're seeing across different age groups as well. Okay. So give me one example yep. of one mistake people do. So, so we look at a couple different things. One is we compare people who have a choice of four or five options to a person that has a choice of eight to 16 options. And what we find is that people that have 16 and and plus options are actually much more likely to defer the choice or not choose any of the available options and go with the default than someone who has, say, only four. So what they say is, I'll deal with this tomorrow. Too difficult for today. Maybe maybe tomorrow is a better day to deal with this. Potentially, even though they're only offered this option once a year, and then the next year rolls around, and then the question is, are they really going to be in a better position to do it then? And and, and probably not. Okay, so too many choices uh, increase procrastination. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's unreasonable. What else? So another thing we, we try to look at is are, are consumers making quote unquote good decisions here? You know, are they making the decision that's best for them? And we do that in a couple different ways. One is we, we sort of say how how good are they following these decision rules that we feel like people should be making? So that what we do then is we introduce what are called dominated options to the choice set. So we look at options that no one should choose. We make them really really bad. And in fact, people don't choose them. You know, they're pretty good about recognizing when these options are really really bad. Okay, so so you're basically saying that in a regular situation, it's very hard to figure out whether somebody chose the right thing or the wrong thing because who knows what's really good for them or bad for them. Exactly. But you make it such that it's actually very simple to say whether something is bad for them, which is it's an option that is inferior. Mm -hmm. It's it's worse, strictly worse on every possible dimension. Mm -hmm. Nobody in the right mind should ever choose them. Sure. It's like saying, would you prefer to go to a Chinese restaurant or having your house robbed? Yep. Right? Nobody should choose the having your house robbed. Ab- absolutely. And what we find is that consumers are good about choosing that getting your house robbed is bad. But when you when, when you present the option to, to them that way, you know, Chinese option or house robbed, they're much more likely to say, I'll take the Chinese restaurant. Then when you say, would you like a Chinese restaurant or an uh, or a Japanese restaurant? You know, so by, by throwing that, that negative option in there, they're much more likely to pick one of the available options instead of just saying, oh, I'm going to just eat at home. Okay. So these irrelevant options... Uh, switch their behavior. That's exactly which is, right. Which is another indication that they don't really know what they're doing, I guess. Exactly. Or, or it definitely leads you to question how well the option that they're choosing is the one that's really best for them. Yes. With something as simple as this. The other thing we look at is, is switching on the order of the options. So when we change the order, when we put their the, the current plan at the end of the list, they're much more likely to choose one of the other plans and, and then go with the default option. So just by switching around the ordering really matters as so, well. So people start reading the first list and they just pick something early on and just... They, give de- up? they definitely work harder to go through the, the list if, if the, the sort of current or, or, um, or sort of, yeah, the current option they're comparing it to is at the end. Okay. So, so what, we should, what we should do if we present people a long list, we should realize that they're much more likely to take things from the early on. Probably. And they're much more likely to work through the list if you give them a reason to. Yeah. A reason to. Like telling them your current option is at the end. Like telling them or actually placing it there at the end. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so where does this leave you in terms of policy? What what should we do when we come to design to, to figure out how many options we should propose to people yep. for healthcare? So that's that's the million dollar question, and it depends on why you want. I'm to. I'm not offering you a yeah. million dollars. <laughs> exactly. Okay, good. That's good to know. I'm leaving now. Then um, it really depends on what your goals are. You know, if the goal of choice is to if if the goal of offering a lot of options is to get people to enroll in these options, you know, at a greater rate, then just providing more is not going to get you there. Yeah. Now, many policymakers would argue there are other reasons we have choice. Maybe there's competition. Maybe there's other things that are going on when you have a lot of options and choice. But th- if the goal is just to increase enrollment in the program, this might not be the best way. How about if the goal is to get people to choose the best options for them? Yeah. So it's it's it's, it's becoming increasingly clear right now that the current presentation and number of options is consumers seem to be struggling with that. And we've seen it in a couple different realms. Okay. So we either need to think about presenting the information in a different way or potentially limiting the number of options available. Okay, so this is about healthcare. Mm-hmm. Does it also apply to other things, like how many options you have for watching television, for eating? 
So reading books? It definitely could, and we know that some of this work actually started in other realms, so how people choose jams and chocolates and things like that. And so then, given that we've seen some of these same um, some of these same phenomena in that scenario, the question is, would we also see it in a healthcare scenario that's more higher stakes? You know, maybe people are going to be thinking about their options more when they're choosing a health but, plan. But you're saying they're not. But they're, well, they may be, but the choices are also much more complicated as well. So I we're see. seeing a similar phenomena. So you're saying even though the motivation of people in healthcare might increase, Yes. Uh, the complexity is increasing by much more than that, so it creates yes. the same problem. Absolutely. Okay, so and uh, now we can go and ca- have coffee, we can have tea, we can work, we can go for a walk. All um, of these options. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks, Dan. This has been Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast with Dan Ariely of Duke University. Dan's latest book is The Honest Truth About Dishonesty. Learn more about dishonesty, irrationality, and other human quirks at danarielli.com. Dan Ariely.